she was like, let's just get her out of the house. Like, she's so sad right now. And so I went down and they had said, you're too tall, you're too big to be Kirsten Dunn's body double, but do you want to audition for this part? Do you know how to act? And of course, I was like, absolutely, I know how to <laughs> act. And I was terrified. And I went home and my mom helped me memorize that. And I booked the job and it's sort of amazing. like never looked back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to On Purpose. Thank you so much for making a commitment to your growth, your personal development, and transforming your love, your work, and your life by continuing to be a part of this community. And that's exactly what we're building here. We're building a community where you can connect with other like-minded people, where we can start spreading powerful messages all across the world through this incredible online world that we all have access to. And today's guest is someone that I learned about recently but the way she's using her platform, the way she's using the influence she has and the messages she's spreading are so aligned with our community. It's absolutely incredible to see what she's doing and I can't wait for you to learn about her story and her journey, which is nothing short of inspirational. She's an American actress and producer and she's best known for starring in Battlestar Galactica and Netflix's new series called Another Life. Her name is Katie Sackhoff. Katie, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. I'm so grateful to have you here. Oh, thank you very because much. Because I truly believe everything I just shared to introduce you. And I feel like we want the audience today to get to know you and the depths of you, which you've never been asked about before, maybe. <laughs> And you still use your Instagram profile beautifully to share all these messages. So if any of you don't follow Katie already, go ahead and follow her because you're just so effortlessly and honestly and through vulnerability, just bringing all of these incredible topics to the fore. So thank you for doing that. Oh, thank you so much. I, like I said, I'm such a huge fan. I, I love the community that you are forming. It's I'm in it. I, I follow you. I have been for a, quite a while now. And I just, it's such a safe place for people to be honest and talk about the things that are on their mind and the things that plague them and their worries and their fears. And, and, and that is such a powerful thing and, and it's just inspiring. So thank you. Well, thank you. I'm so glad you're part of the community. I'm mm -hmm. glad I get to meet you. I, I always love it whenever someone's a part of the community, I love for them to come up and tell me that. Yeah. Because I just want to give them a big <laughs> hug. And, 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 and anyway, your energy since you've walked in today has just been so welcoming and so beautiful that I, I want everyone to experience that through the camera and through their ears. Well, I, I hope so. I wish they could. If everyone was here, I would just hug you. She actually would. I, I, when she walked in, I was politely going to shake Katie's hand. And then, and then like two seconds later, we just Yeah, I do. I feel like it's the the quickest way to feel somebody's energy and their warmth and, and to let them know that it's a safe place. And so I, I try to give really meaningful, loving hugs. I love that. Now yeah. I'm scared what you could read through my hugs. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh my God. Like, this is about you, this interview. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, this is such a wonderful opportunity for me and the audience to get to learn more about you, your story, your background. And we almost wouldn't be having this conversation if you ended up becoming a swimmer. It's true. It's right? very true. I thought that that's what I was supposed to do. You know, I think so many times when we're little and you find something that you gravitate towards because you're good at it, um, it's not really necessarily something you enjoy doing. And I think there is a very big difference between where you find your joy and what you're good at. And sometimes there is a, a it's, they're not the same thing, you know? And for me, I was, I, I was a very good swimmer and I hated it. 
Um, so when I got hurt, it was like this weird, crazy blessing in disguise where it finally gave me the courage to say to my parents, I don't really want to do this anymore. And it was my path, you know, that was sort of where I saw myself going. And, and, um, it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do after that. But my mom was very instrumental in getting me out of the house and getting me like to, to go try new things. And she found this this ad in the paper to go be Kirsten Dunst's body double. And she was like, let's just get her out of the house. Like, she's so sad right now. And and so I went down and they had said, you're, you know, you're too tall, you're too big to be Kirsten Dunst's body double. But um, do you want to audition for this part? Do you know how to act? And of course, I was like, absolutely, I know how to <laughs> act. And I was terrified. And I went home and my mom helped me memorize that. And I booked the job and That's sort of amazing. like never looked back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that. And I, and I love how it's sometimes something negative that happens to us that actually awakens us to what we're meant to do. Yeah. And, and we're also different. I was speaking, and because you spoke about swimming, I was speaking at a conference last week and Michael Phelps spoke, spoke yeah. uh, after me and he was talking about mental health, which is, he's such a big proponent for yeah. now, which is incredible. But, you know, he was talking about how all he wanted to do, to do was swim. And all he knows how to do is swim. And here we have someone, you're saying that, actually, I could do that, but I was good at it, but I didn't love it. Like I wasn't no, passionate about it. I wasn't passionate about it. It didn't give me any joy. I, I hated going to practice. I just, I really didn't enjoy it. But I didn't have, I didn't grow up in a family where we talked about emotions. And so for me to go home and say to my mom and dad, you know, I don't enjoy this. I don't get joy out of this. I don't, I don't think that they would have, understood that. I think they would have just been like, but you're good at it. I don't understand. Um, and so it took that injury for me to be able to pursue something that I actually, something where I could actually experience joy. Wow. I love this actually. And I know you said that you did one of my courses recently, Yeah. but the, what you're saying right now is resonating so closely with me because I've got a new course coming out. Mm. And in that I talk about this quadrant of potential. Yes. And I talk about how we waste most of our lives in this box called what we're good at but don't love. Yes. And, and where we really want to be spending most of our time is things that we're not good at, but do love yeah. or things that we're good at and do love. And now you've found that. Well, that's the thing is that I think a lot of times the thing that you're good at, you have to struggle to love. Mm. And, and when you love something, becoming good at it is easy. It's because you love it. So I think that that's, that's one of the main things that I, my dad used to always say to me that find what you love doing and then figure out how to make that your career. That was his, his best advice to me that he'd ever given me because in it, so many people say very similar things about like, you know, um, you'll never work a day in your life if you find something you enjoy, things like that. But he really hammered that home for me. And, and, um, and that's, I think what led me to, to acting where yeah. did that journey start then from being a body double to now being in the industry for two decades yeah. and like working to improve your art, your skill, that mastery yeah. that you're speaking about, like obviously acting came upon you and it became a thing, but then how did you go through that process of really developing your skills and yeah. your art? You know, it's, I, I like to say that I'm an overpaid compulsive liar. <laughs> And I, I think that acting is all about conveying an emotion and getting someone to believe it. Um, and so for me, I never studied. I just, um, 
I learned how to fake it for a very long time. And because that's all I knew how to do. Um, and then I was on Battlestar Galactica and I wasn't taking it very seriously. And Eddie almost actually pulled me aside and he gave me the lecture of all lectures and said to me that if you actually tried, I think you would actually be really good at this. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? I'm already here. And, and he, he was very serious. He was like, you have an opportunity that so many people wish they had and you've got to take it seriously. And I wasn't, you know, at that point I was 21 years old and I was just having fun. And I realized that you can, you can have fun while still taking responsibility and, and taking something seriously. Um, and, but it was a weird road for me. It was very strange. I, I, um, I did fall sort of right into a job, which was great. Um, but I fought a lot against the, the norm and what people wanted me to be. They saw me as this little blonde girl and they wanted me to play a very specific role. And I wasn't drawn to those roles. I didn't have the courage to say, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do something else until Battlestar came up. And it was this role that was this tough, you know, take no prisoners, honest woman who wasn't scared of anything. And it's who I wanted to be. I was not that person, but I was so drawn to her as a role model for myself that I was desperate to play her and I wouldn't take no for an answer. Um, and I, w I think I auditioned for it like six or seven times and I just wouldn't go back. Like I just wouldn't quit. I just kept going back. Um, and I don't know how I got it, but you know, by the grace of God, I did. But it was, it was one of those weird things where I never, I never took no for an answer in this business. If somebody told me no, it, I never took it personally. I just went, okay, great. Let's move on to the next one. Um, and I didn't have a plan B. I, I didn't think failure was an option. And I think that that was just the blissful ignorance of a child. But I, I just didn't think that failure was going to happen. And so I, I pushed through. Um, and my parents allowed me to do that. You know, they sort of saw how driven I was and just went, okay, I guess she's going to do this. Yeah, I love that. So you're saying actually you auditioned six to seven times. Mm. And so you heard that no mm -hmm. that many times. Yeah. What do you think it was for you that's helped you push through a no every time you hear it? And I love the way you said that, you know, you didn't take it personally. Mm -hmm. Tell me about how you were able to, because I think today when we hear the word no, we all take it personally. It's very yeah. common. And I know a lot of the people listening right now or watching right now will think, well, when I hear no, I just think like, oh, I'm not good enough or I don't yeah. have what it takes. Like, how did you take that no? Yeah, it, it, you know, I think one of one of the best things we can teach our children is that not everybody's going to like you and that's okay. You know, I, my mom was like, you're not, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It just means that, you, you know, they're a different person. They're going in a different direction. And so f when people told me, no, I just, it, 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 lit this fire inside of me that wanted to keep going, but I didn't take it personally because I've always thought that acting was art and it's subjective and I can look at a Picasso and not get it, yes. you know, I mean, and, and so people can l have an opinion about me and not get it and that's yes. okay. It has no bearing on my self-worth and, and who I am and what I have to give to the, the industry of, of acting or life in general, you know? Yeah. And I think that, um, that is, 
is one of the things that my mom and dad instilled in me from a very young age was, was that, that, you know, who you are is not what you do Mm -hmm. and who you are is so much more important than anything else you're ever going to do. You know, my dad said at the end of your life, you don't want to drop the mic and go, oh, that was fun. I lived a great life for myself. You know, he's like, at the end of your life, you, you, you question whether you loved greatly, whether people knew that you loved greatly and that's your contribution. Mm -hmm. And, and so it was never to live for yourself, but to live for others was a big thing. And when you live for others, you don't take it personally. If one person says that, you know, you're not good enough. Yeah. I love that. Your parents sound like incredible people. They're incredible people that have screwed up a lot. I think that you learn from mistakes and my parents never hid those mistakes. They, they made mistakes and went, wow, that was a great mistake. Let's sit down and talk about it. And so that's sort of how I attack it with other people. Whereas like I make a ton of mistakes. I made five today. Um, but that's the only way you learn, you know, you can learn by watching other people's mistakes, but you can also learn from your own. And I've made some pretty big doozies. Um, what mistakes did you make today? <laughs> <laughs> today, today, let's see. You said you made five today. You don't, have to tell me, you don't have to tell me all five. You don't have to tell me all five. I drank way too much coffee today. It's okay. a little mistake today, but no, <laughs> I, um, I do. I make little mistakes every day, but it's, it's how we learn. It's how we grow. And I loved what you said about failure, that you never accepted failure was possible. Mm. And what I'm gaining from that, and I'd love for everyone who's listening and watching right now to recognize this is failure is when you stop trying course. Right. And so like you kept going, that's why you didn't accept failure. Whereas what we do is we take that event as failure when actually failure is when you stop trying. So the fact that you kept pushing meant you were saying, Hey, I'm not going to fail. Of course. And whereas when you take that no as a failure Mm. and lots of us do, we take that no as equivalent to failure. Yeah. And that feels a lot harder to take. So I love that point you mentioned. Well, we don't really know what our destiny is and what our journey is until the end of our life. Mm. You know, that is the the perspective that hindsight gives you, but you don't know what it is until the end. Mm. So you don't, you can't possibly know if you failed until you're at the end. So, so why should we say, oh gosh, this didn't go the way that I wanted. So I failed. Yes. You know, it it didn't go the way you wanted. So something else is going to happen. Absolutely. It doesn't mean you failed. It just means this one thing didn't go the way you wanted. Yeah. But in a, it'll become very evident as you go along why it didn't work totally. the way you wanted it. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm so aligned with you. I actually don't know anything in my life that's happened the way I wanted. Yeah, right. Like, I, couldn't, I couldn't think of one thing yeah. that's happened in my life the way I wanted it to. And so I've often said to people, I'm like, you'll get to where you want in life, just not in the way you imagined it. Yeah. And the journey is just so different from what you imagined. So yes. just become detached from how you want that journey to look because it's going to surprise you or delight you. It will confuse you. And I feel that you have to be open to that path. Yes. And that's what gets us. Well, and that's what adults try and tell us when we're children, right? They try to tell you, this is such a small part of your life. Like it, it doesn't matter. And when you're young, you don't believe that, you know, it's only as you get older, you start to realize that nothing happens the way you want it to happen. And that is the beauty of life. Like we are in control of our own destiny and we, we can, we are a series of our choices, but, but the choices you make, you are also on a ride and you don't know where you're going to be tomorrow. Um, and it's sort of like a choose your own adventure story. You, you have the choice to go right, but the story's going to keep going and then you're going to have to choose again. And, and so you have no idea what's going to happen. So yeah. failure isn't an option because I don't believe failure exists. Yeah. 
Yeah. Love that. So powerful. Mm. Incredibly powerful. Amazing. You've already, in the, in the few minutes we've been speaking, you've already <laughs> dropped so many great messages and lessons <laughs> for our audience. It's amazing. I, I wanted to talk about this because I believe it must have been one of the most challenging things to go through. And at 27, you went through thyroid cancer. Uh, yeah, I right? did. Yeah. Which is, just, I, ca I can't fathom how tough that is mm. and how much it affects so much of you. Mm -hmm. Walk us through that experience of finding out and how that started to affect, because you'd already had Battlestar Galactica, Galactica you'd already yeah. had that breakthrough, et cetera. Tell me about how that affected everything from your mind, your body, your career, and, mm -hmm. and how you started to push through. When I got thyroid cancer, it was, I knew something was wrong with me. Um, and I just couldn't put my finger on it. And I kept going to the doctor and I kept, you know, saying, no, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Um, they attributed everything to my lack of sleep and that I work too hard and all of these things. And, and then they eventually found out that it was thyroid cancer. And <clears throat> I call it my baby cancer because there, I knew from the very beginning that there is a very small, very small minute chance that it could be life-threatening. I did know that. But what I didn't realize, I guess at that time, was how life-changing it would be. It was the first time in my life where I felt completely out of control. Um, I was scared. I was depressed. I was, I was terrified actually, um, because it felt, I was all of a sudden reminded of how fragile life was. And so I went through this time and I had this deal with, with my, my boyfriend at the time, my ex, who's still a very good friend of mine, that I gave myself 10 minutes a day to feel very, very sorry for myself and to cry and to scream and to yell and do whatever I wanted to do. And then I wouldn't do it again for the rest of the day. And, um, that became a very, very important thing because I think that we can feel sorry for ourselves sometimes and we lose perspective in that sorrow of how lucky we still are with the thing that is considered our shit, excuse me. But um, what I did was I realized like how lucky I was in that moment. And so we came up with this thing called the three things. And my three things is that in any situation in your life where you find yourself angry or frustrated or sad or anything, come up with three ways, little ways, they don't need to be massive three things that could make this situation much worse. And it can be very, if you're in traffic and you're going to be late for a meeting and this thing's, it feels like the worst thing that could be happening at this moment in your life. Come up with three things that can make it worse. You could have a flat tire right now. Um, it could be raining. Um, and you could have a migraine headache. Three things, three little things that could make this one moment so much worse. And all of a sudden you're you feel lucky and blessed that it's only that you're sitting in traffic. And you can do that with so many big things in your life, so many little things. But I find that if you sit back at it, it gives you perspective. And I learned that because I call it my baby cancer because I reminded myself constantly that it could be so much worse. Mm. And so it allowed me to feel grateful that it was only just that. Mm. Um, but it changed my life. I'm on medication for the rest of my life. I, um, I still have three tumors in my body um, that they have chosen just to watch. And one's in my head and two are in my throat still. Um, and those are life-changing. Every six months, I have to go to the doctor and have what's called um, a contrast MRI. And so the tumor in the pituitary gland, which is a little gland that sits like in between your eyes, like a 
above your nose, like right in front of your brain, it, it produces a hormone called prolactin and prolactin is the hormone you produce when you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so because I have a tumor there, it has made it very, very difficult to have children. Mm -hmm. And then the thyroid's taken out. So that's another reason. And so all of these things that I didn't think about when I was 27, that you think are just givens, um, were, were changed so much by just that diagnosis of thyroid cancer, but it made me so happy that I'm still alive. And at 27, which seems late, so many people are faced with this so much younger and in so much more of, of a life-changing way. But I realized at 27 that every single day we get is a gift. And I, I became in that moment, not afraid to age. Aging is a gift. I, at that moment, not afraid of what people thought about my body, not afraid of all these things that had, that had plagued me in my career for so long. At that moment, I was like, I am going to live the rest of my life with complete, utter, true honesty to myself, everyone around me, because I'm so lucky I'm here. And so it gave me that, that was such a beautiful gift talking about not knowing what's going to happen in life. Like I wouldn't have chosen that, but it became the thing that, that formed who I am now. Wow. That's amazing. I love that because it sounds like when I'm listening to you, you've taken this and you said in your own words, a gift mm. and you've let it be such a driving force in your mindset towards life Yeah. rather than seeing it as a as an issue or something negative, yeah. you've really transformed it. It's, it's, it, yes, I think so. I, I, it's just, I, I see it's so easy to get caught up in our own lives. I still do it. <clears throat> but if we stop long enough and find that perspective of how blessed we are to just have a roof over our head, mm -hmm. so many people don't, you know, I, I think that that is the thing that I focus on the most in my life and in my practices and in my meditation is just how blessed I am to just be here. Mm. Um, and so, but, but that was thyroid cancer. Thyroid cancer was a doozy, life changing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, of course. And do you find that, that 10 minutes you'd set aside mm. to kind of vent, cry, mm. etc. Well, tell me about that process. Like, did that work? Was that a useful habit and practice during that time? It was really useful. And I actually found that it usually didn't go 10 minutes, mm. you know? And if, it, if I, I would, it usually was crying and it was usually screaming into a pillow and I, I would yell a lot. I'd call my mom and I would I'd get very down on myself. And, but it usually wouldn't last more than 10 minutes. It wow. usually, I usually got sick of hearing myself complain. And, and then if, if outside of that 10 minutes, I came up with something that bothered me, I would remember it for tomorrow mm -hmm. and then I would forget it. That's amazing. Because it, it's, it, every argument and every complaint and everything that seemed so big in that moment the next day wasn't, it was trivial. Yeah. Um, and, and so the 10 minute thing, I still, if anything big comes up and I, 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 I think everyone should try it. If you're having a bad day, give yourself 10 minutes today to just go for it. Whatever you want to do. If you want to go hit a punching bag, hit a punching bag. If you want to cry, cry, scream, scream, do whatever you want, but get it out of your system in 10 minutes. Go to your car. Your car is the best place to do it because no one can hear you. <laughs> Just don't drive like that. Yeah. No, don't, yeah, yeah, don't, don't do drive. it while you're driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Car still, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's such a great place because you can scream so loud. Yeah. And sometimes 
what I found was when I was screaming so loud, I actually would start laughing mm -hmm. because the sheer absurdity of it, of just screaming yeah. at the top of your lungs. We don't do that enough as, as adults. Yeah. We don't scream. You know, as children, we scream so much yeah. when we're upset. And as adults, we learn to keep it all in. So it's, it's sometimes I found that 10 minutes is really great. Yeah, to, I agree. And yeah. I think we forget that, that when you, you're, that's such a beautiful way of looking at it, that when we were children, we would just let it all out, get it all out. But when we become adults, we hold it in. And mm. when you're holding it in, all it's doing is brewing. Yeah. Right. It's not going, it needs to go somewhere. Yes. So it's either causing a block physically or mentally yeah. for the future. And so I love that. Could, and, you, and ima <laughs> could you imagine adults on the ground having a temper tantrum? I know. Like kicking it, right? and screaming. It yeah. would probably actually be really great. It yeah. would just, I mean, maybe in the privacy of your own home. Yeah, like don't drop home. down yeah, on the street yeah, yeah, yeah. in Manhattan and start screaming. And <laughs> or in your car, as you said. <laughs> I like that because it's soundproof. But I often say that to people when you repeat your complaints out to yourself. Yes. You you start to laugh at them yeah. or you start to recognize them with perspective, even if you don't laugh at yes. them. So often I have coaching clients or people that I work with either write out their pain and their trouble and yeah. then read it out to themselves. Mm -hmm. And so often on the second or third reading, they're like, I can't believe I'm complaining about this. Yeah. Or I have people record it on a voice note and play it to themselves. Yeah. And then you hear it as if someone else is saying it. Yeah. And, and, you know, whenever we hear other people's challenges, they sound bad, but ours always sound so much worse. They do. But when you hear your own from the perspective of someone else sharing them with you, mm. again, they get put into mm -hmm. perspective and you're like, oh, actually it's, you know, I know what we can do about this, you know, and you start approaching it as an observer yeah, as opposed to feeling like you're the victim. Well, it's a great thing to do for body image too. Go on. And I learned this. Um, body image for me has always been very hard. You know, mm -hmm. I was told from, from the moment I came to California to be an actress that I was too big. I was called chubby. I was called the big girl. I was called everything. That's crazy. I was just, just, they called me the big girl from the show with Richard Dreyfuss. Like I was called all of these things that were used to explain who I was that were just physical and, and also so mean, like number so one, yeah. you're, you're insinuating that if I was the big girl, that something would be wrong with me. But then you're also using that to describe who I am as a person, which was so heartbreaking. And so I had a therapist one time say to me that the next time you're going to say, God, I'm ugly or God, I'm fat or God, whatever it is to actually do it in the mirror. Mm. And so I started doing this many years ago where if I had a day where I was like, God, you know, my ass looks terrible. I would say it in the mirror and you laugh because you realize you would never say that to your worst enemy's face. Why are you saying it to yourself? Yeah. You know, you are like, you are the one person you have to spend the rest of your life with. Why are you being so cruel? And, and so that to me was so important. So even now when I'm like, have a, you know, anything that I want to say negative about myself, I walk to a mirror and I say it to my face and you just go, God, I would never say this to someone. Don't say it to yourself. Wow. Yeah. And, and what have you started saying to yourself in addition or substitution? Or is that what it is? When you hear something negative, you go to the mirror, you say it to yourself, and then you laugh at it because, yeah, just you would, like you said, you would never yeah. say it to even no. someone you don't Could like. Could you imagine? Or, yeah, absolutely. Oh my God, you would absolutely. never say that to anyone. Yeah. The, you know, the thing that I started doing was if I found something where I wanted to say, my three things rule, I guess I just put this with everything in my sure, life. Everything's yeah. in threes, I, I guess. It. But but it's, it's point out something you love about yourself. Point out three things that you love about yourself. Like yeah. it could be as simple as like, you know, oh, I love my cheekbone or I love, you know, I have great hands or yes. whatever they are. Just give yourself a compliment, you yes. know, like- yes. 
we can we can always find something in ourselves that yeah. that we appreciate. Absolutely. I always say to people, I'm like, you're not you would never say that to your younger brother or younger sister. No. Like you would never go up to them. You would never go up to anyone in your family, anyone you know and say that. And if they said that about themselves, you'd say, No, that's not true. Like of course. you need to work on this, or maybe we should try this. But you wouldn't say, Yeah, sure, that's exactly what you are. No. Because again, like what you said earlier, that doesn't define who that person no. is. No. And and it's something that's always in flux. And you said also thyroid cancer changed your relationship with food. It did. Right? In a big way. It did very much so. So I, you know, I used to binge eat as as a young adult constantly. It was one of those things that they think the industry brought it out in me. I also think I probably had a bit of this when I was a child. But I would go and I'd sneak food. I wouldn't work. I wouldn't eat all day long. And then I would go and I would just eat a ton of food. Um, and then I would go to the gym for hours the next day to counteract what I had just eaten. And it was just this vicious cycle um, where I had to, when I had the thyroid cancer, I had to sit down and figure out what healthy meant to me, which, which was very different than for somebody else, but what it meant to me mm. and, and my relationship with food. And I had to slow down and actually start to question what, what I was hiding. And that's when I started going to therapy a lot was, was when I was actually hiding this sort of, um, in relation to the thyroid, I had this survivor's guilt almost that my cancer, I felt so guilty that mine was such a small cancer because I would still have to go to the, the doctor's office and see patients that, that had these terrible forms of cancer, um, that they were really, really fighting through. And I always walked in there and felt so guilty. Um, and I, I had to work through that and, and that was not easy. It took many years to sort of, um, let go of that. There was shame in it too. I mm -hmm. felt so bad and, and didn't know how to articulate that. Tell us about that process of giving up guilt and shame, because I think in so many different ways, we all experienced that. Mm -hmm. It may not be in the same way as you did, right. but I think guilt and shame are those types of feelings that actually never get let out. It's the ones we hold on to the most. Well, because we think they're it, ugly. Totally. Exactly. That's, they're just the hardest to explain to someone yeah. and express to someone and expect empathy back. Uh -huh. Tell us a bit about how you kind of broke those down and, and dissolved them in your life. For me, it was forgiving myself and having compassion for myself. You know, I didn't have any control over what other people were going through. I only had control over myself and, and how it, it affected me on the inside. And I had to forgive myself for, for, um, taking life for granted ahead of time. I felt like I, you know, was, was taking my life for granted in that moment. And, and I forgave myself for all of that, but that was just, it was just having compassion for myself and realizing you may not have an answer for this. You may not be able to deal with that guilt. You may not, that, that may not be something you can figure out, but that's okay. And, and it has no bearing on who you are as how, if you're a good person or not, like that was, it, I kept mm. thinking, God, I can't be a good person if, if I feel shame and I feel guilt and, and there's nothing I can do about it. And, um, that was the, the biggest thing is that we practice so many of these beautiful loving techniques towards strangers and other people and our, you know, like you said, our younger siblings and things like that, but we are, we never do that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we, if we did that, and so for me, it really had to be about learning 
how to love myself. Mm. Um, and, and learning that I had no control over anything around me, only that. Yes. Um, and not my health for, for a lot of, you know, I didn't have control over that part of my health at that point. Mm. Um, I just had to, to love myself. And, and then I tried to, every time I would go to get treatment, I would look around me and I would try and send as much positive energy as I could to people. Um, and, um, that's what led me then to meditation and a form of, um, I, I believe it's called Tonglen when you actually, you, you, you breathe in a negative and you breathe out a positive. Mm -hmm. And, and so I tried to do that a lot while I was in there. And then I've, the only thing I could do for those people is live my life. So to the best of my ability. And yeah. that's, that's what the therapist taught me. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. That's it's so powerful, especially that point you were making about this distinction of what we're experiencing, whether it's guilt or shame mm. or ego or pride or anger or envy. I always tell people it's like wearing a bad outfit. Yeah. Like we're just putting on all these layers but we're not that layer. Like just like we're not our clothes, we're not our envy, we're not right. our guilt, we're not our shame. And as soon as you realize it's not you and you can actually take it off yeah. and, and put it away, right? Right. you start recognizing that actually it's just about taking off these layers and, and I'm not that guilt. Otherwise we just feel like, oh, I'm so guilty or I'm mm -hmm. so embarrassed or we keep saying I am to stuff that we're not. Yeah. And then we get lost in that belief system yes. that I am this emotion. Yeah. No, I, I, that was one of the main things is that I had to just let it go. Mm. Um, and I had to write down a lot of the things that I felt guilty about and I felt shame about, um, and in order to sort of let it go and realize that it didn't define me. Yeah. And then I became more honest about it as well. And I started talking more about, um, if I make a mistake and I realize it, I will immediately try and say, oh my God, what did I just do? And I find that, that you know, people are much more receptive to the mistakes that you make if you identify that, oh crap, I just did that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I love how that brings us to one of these things that I absolutely love about you is how you're so vulnerable and open on social media. Mm. And you're just able to share who you truly are through your page. You're able to share all the medical challenges that you have, physical challenges that you have, mm -hmm. just reality too, not even a right. challenge, just as it is. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that you're using your platform to speak about these messages. Tell me about what you were sharing earlier when we were just speaking. Yeah. And you talked about the word responsibility. Yeah. I'd love for you to expand on your belief around why you think you have a responsibility around this. Yeah. It, it when I was on the show here in New York, my, I was on a show with Richard Dreyfuss and I was 20 years old and I had pink hair and people recognized me everywhere I went just because of this pink hair. And it was right after 9-11 and this woman, I was eating with my family and this woman got very angry at me because I didn't have a pen to give her an autograph. And it, it was a very weird, surreal moment for me. But what she said to me as she was leaving was she said that you have a responsibility. You gave up your right to privacy because you chose this. And that to me at the time felt like, how dare you say that to me? Of course I have a right to privacy. Everybody does. But there was a, it stuck with me for so many years because she was right. You know, I chose this. I chose this life. There have been moments in my career where I sensed a shift where I could tell that, that, I was becoming more recognizable and I kept going. So I could have stopped 
but I didn't, you know? And so therefore, because of the platform I have, I do have a responsibility for the, the things that I put out there into the world because it's, it has the ability to reach so many people. Mm -hmm. Um, and that to me, I take very seriously. I, life to me is all about connection and, and what a great opportunity I have to connect with all of these people that may have followed me because they watched a show that I did, but we can connect on something that is so much more important. And, and I want them to know who I am and to see me at my worst. I don't want them to have to sift through my highlight reel of my life. You know, I want them to see the, the days where I don't have makeup on or the days that I have a headache or the days where I feel insecure about myself or the days where I'm depressed or I'm sad or I'm healing from a broken heart or I'm doing, I want them to see those things because it gives them a voice by me using my voice because so many people feel like they, they don't matter or they don't belong to a community. And, and, and so I, I really, I have a career because of these people. And so if they want to be a part of my life and if they want to, to learn from my mistakes, by God, I'm going to give them that, you know? Um, because I, I, I don't know. It just, there's something very spiritual to me that when I connect with someone on something that's so much deeper and so much more important than everything else. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, these people come to me, they send me direct messages about so many things that we're all struggling with. And for some reason, they have felt comfortable to express this with me. And that is an honor that somebody would let me see a piece of them that, that they're scared to show other people. Um, and so I want them to see that part of me. Mm. Um, Tell me about yeah. some of the examples that you've seen of messages you think are most important for you to share right now. Yeah. You mentioned a few there, but tell us about some of the bigger themes and also just about some of the things people open up to you about and what your responses yeah. are and, and how you've been kind of nurturing that community too. The thing that most, most people come to me about is so many women are struggling with body image. Right. So many women are struggling with that. They're struggling with self-love. Um, they are struggling with mental health. Um, and it, I'm not an expert on these things. You know, all I have is the experiences that I have gone through in my life. And then I also have the ability to potentially go seek more answers for them because I have the ability to find these people and they're at my fingertips. But, but that body image thing was that's one that, you know, because I've played these characters that are synonymous with strength and self-love and sort of like, you know, people think that that is me. Um, Which and it is. It is. Yeah. But I learned how to be me by playing these women. Wow. You know, I was not the girl that said whatever she wanted when I was 21 years old. Wow. I learned how to do that by these women and these words that were given to me by people that are, that were so much more evolved than me at the time and, and still are, but I, I, th that's who they were for me. And so that's these characters. I don't know. So people come to me with that. That is one that just destroys me. It is one of the hardest things to see 
um, girls and boys and women struggling with, with this body image that is so pushed upon us by an industry that is selling perfection. Um, and perfection doesn't, it doesn't exist, you know, it doesn't exist. Or Um, it doesn't exist the way we think of it. No, no. And there's no one like you in the world. Totally. Like that already is so special. You know, I said this to someone that reached out to me the other day. There is nobody like you in the world. You are the only person out there that is you. And she said, well, what if you're a twin? And I was like, still, (laughs) your DNA is changing every single second. Like even if you're an identical twin, your DNA is your cells are different because they're constantly shifting. So there's nobody like you. Like that is the most special gift that you could possibly be given, that you're a one of a kind. So there's no body that's perfect. There's no body that's better than yours. There is just the one that you have. And that, that is, that's important. That's cause, And I say that because I still struggle with that. Mm. These are things that I say to myself every day. Um, so when I say them to myself, I then go say them to them <laughs> yeah. um, because it, it seems I'm inspired to do so yes. at that moment, you know? Yes, absolutely. And I think we all are in charge of what we believe we're aspiring for. Yeah. Like we have a responsibility to ourselves for what we are holding up as perfection. Right. Like what is that picture? We're deciding that. Yeah. And whether you've consciously built that or it's been unconsciously built by your background, experience, parenting, education, whatever you've been exposed to, it's so important that we reconstruct that yeah. for ourselves. Because I find like that picture, if that's not removed and if that's not deconstructed and reconstructed and redefined based on what you really value and believe in. Right then you're still not going to have another version because we all need something to aspire for. We all do. Yeah. And that usually should just be a more aligned version of ourselves. Right. Yeah. But we make it this external picture, face, body, job, role, criteria. Right. And and if you don't deconstruct it, I think that requires some time is that you have to spend some time to deconstruct the picture of perfection you currently have and reconstruct a new one. Because you're right, what you said, that was not defined by you. More often than not, it's not yeah. defined by us. No, you know, we are, we are raised a certain way with a certain set of values and a certain set of ideals by everyone around us that isn't us, yes. you know, and by the moment that, you know, you get to a certain point in your life where you realize that you are now responsible for your own well-being and who you want to be totally. was not defined by you. Absolutely. And that is, is a really interesting thing to sort of focus on that you then have to go back and almost like, <clears throat> you know, print out a, like a, a collage of like yeah, yeah. what you want your life to be like based on, you know, who you are at that moment. Exactly. I yeah. grew up, I grew up overweight when I was younger mm. and to my Indian family that was considered healthy. Right. And then when I, lost weight. And then I'd go back to my Indian family. They'd say, Oh my God, you, you look like completely malnourished and you haven't eaten. And because that's the value of body image in that community. Yeah. Certain type. And this is what I mean by just, everyone's going to have their own definition of what beauty is, what perfection is. And if you've let all those definitions become yours, then now you're living for subjective definitions of other people. Yes. Uh, so no, I, I think that's such a valuable point that you've raised and I'm so glad that you're not only using your platform, but we were speaking a bit about earlier and please share whatever you can just 
how you really believe it's your responsibility to shift the way things are done, even in the industry, which, which gets me really excited because yeah. I just feel like powerful influence. Like, you know, you're one of the most five iconic people in the whole sci-fi space, which is so exciting and cool. And I'm just like, when you see icons shifting the way they do things that have been done the same way for decades, right. that's when I believe things start to shift. Right. It's like when a CEO says, I'm now sleeping eight hours a day, right? Like that makes a and shift. And how simple that and is. How it's, sim such a it's such a simple thing. Like we're like, oh, what? <laughs> like, oh, right. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, but, okay. <laughs> yeah, but we're hoping that people do things and say things like that because then their teams yeah. do. Yeah. And then when we see actresses and icons like yourself will come out and be like, well, actually, I want to use this platform for a voice, not just for the art. Right. And, and tell me about how you've been using that in some of your activism work that you've right. been doing. Well, I realized that I couldn't change the industry. The thing that I had control over was that I could add to it. And, and so, you know, like for another life, we're, you know, having a premiere party. Of course, everyone knows what a premiere party is. Um, but why not add a philanthropic arm to it? Why not give back at the same time? Because we know they're going to want to do this. So why not just add something to it that makes a difference. Um, and so that's sort of what I've been trying to do is that just not change, add to and shift. Um, and, and so that's sort of, I think that we do have a responsibility to sort of like, just, just change ourselves and then others will change with us. Yeah. I think, and I think that's such a brilliant, for everyone who's listening and watching, there are so many gems in this conversation right now <laughs> coming from Katie there. They're incredible. And this one's really powerful that I think we waste a lot of energy trying to change stuff right. and don't realize that we can just add another layer. Mm -hmm. So often people would say to me like, Jay, don't you want to change the education system? And I was just like, no, I'm just going to create an alternative education system. Because that is such a hefty goal. Changing totally. something seems so impossible. Totally. You know? And you can literally lose all your energy, get completely drained trying to change this big piece, don't have any remit over, or maybe mm -hmm. you're not even qualified to like, right. I don't feel qualified to change the education system as yeah. a whole. Like <laughs> I don't, I'm, I, I don't think so. But, <laughs> but I do know that there are parts of it that I can add and enhance. Yes. And, and I think that's the beauty. It also liberates you of this crazy pressure we put on ourselves. It's like, I'm going to change Hollywood or I'm going to change the education world, or I'm going to change the industry, or yeah. I'm going to change technology. It's like, that's such a heavy burden. Yeah. And you feel liberated when you're like, actually, this is the part that I really believe I want to impact. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to start here. Well, I think that so many people think so, so grand mm. in, in, which is a beautiful thing. Um, but they think in, in such massive ideas mm. and you're right. If you, I, I can't change the entertainment industry, but I can add to it. You yeah. know, there is a piece that I can, there's a crumb that I can leave behind. And that is changing. That is changing it. Um, and that is, that is, you know, I think if we think smaller sometimes that it, it, it becomes much more manageable and less pressure. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you said earlier about how the roles you've played have actually inspired your strength. Mm. And, 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 and I love that earlier and I, I didn't pick up, I, I picked up on it then. I didn't say it, I'm saying it now is just how you were saying that you were so committed to getting this role because you were so excited to play this role, right? Mm. And, and, and I wanted to find out, so now in Netflix's new show, Another Life, yeah. which is very exciting, what is that role inspiring in you as a person in your own life? Oh my gosh. This woman is, you know, with... Tell us about the character. Yeah, yeah. no, the, the character is, is, so now I've, you know, um, 
I'm older now. So now I'm sort of, I, I started in this industry as the youngest person on a movie set. Now I'm the oldest, which is amazing. <laughs> I think it's such a beautiful thing. Um, but it's, it's, this woman is the commander of a ship. Um, and she's been given a very young crew, um, to go out and save the world basically. And she's given a young crew because they're disposable. Um, and, um, it is a very, very fun role for me, but it's heavy. It's very heavy. You know, she is the, the leader of the crew. And, and I, I took that responsibility very seriously because I, on Longmire, um, Robert Taylor was a phenomenal number one, uh, the lead of the show. He was a phenomenal leader because he showed up every single day. He did his job. He was happy. The crew loved him. And that was such a great role model for me. Um, and so I took, put a lot of pressure on myself, probably too much pressure, actually thinking back on it now, but I put a lot of pressure on myself to be a role model for some of these younger actors who a lot of them, this is their first big role. Right. And, and I wanted them to sort of learn how to be in the industry and how to be on set and, and, um, you know, what things not to do, what things to do. And, and so I, um, you know, it's one of my biggest pet peeves in this industry that they let actors cut in front of the crew in the lunch line. It to me is completely rude. And, and I don't think that it is, it is responsible as an actor who, who is, you know, probably not as tired as the crew member who's been working just as hard, if not harder than you, and doesn't get to go back to a cushy little trailer and have their lunch, you know? So why don't you let him go first so he can eat his lunch and then like go, you know, have some time, little things like that, that I wanted. It was, it, it's a gift to be able to sort of like impart that to younger people because things that matter to me and, and. Um, um, because a lot of people do what they're told they can do. Mm. Um, and so it, it's a fun role. So, yeah. so the way that I'm <laughs> acting on set as Katie is very similar to my character, Nico, right. um, which is the commander and she's sort of teaching them how to be astronauts. That's awesome. And, yeah. how, and how have they taken to it? <laughs> <laughs> Some of them better than others. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's, it's really well. I mean, this is a, it's a fun show. It's a really great cast. And, and we were really lucky to, there's some, some beautiful diamonds on this show that are, we're lucky to have. Yeah. That's awesome. No, I love that. And I, and I think those are the experiences that you value maybe not even in that moment, but many mm. years along. I know whenever I've been mentored or coached by someone, even when I first met them and I didn't really want them to do that for me. Yeah. And then in 10, 15, 20 years, I look back and I'm like, I'm really glad they taught me that. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think that's the beauty of anyone who's a teacher or a coach or mentor or in any sense, like in any field, you're showing that in any field, our example. Right is contagious and will spread. Yeah. Right? You're not their coach or their guide, no. but it's spreading. And I just really feel that when you're playing that role in any sort of way, our responsibility is to facilitate growth and give opportunity, but not expect it. Yeah. Because that person may take 5, 10, 15, 20 years to actually realize how powerful a lesson that was. It Sorry, was, you were going to say No, something. I was just going to say, it's, you know, we it was a role that I'd never had of mm. being this sort of like mentor and in a way, and I didn't do it right in every way. Yeah. And, you know, I had, uh, you know, my boyfriend looked at me at one point and he said, you know, you need to understand that sometimes when you're listening to someone and you then impart wisdom on them, yeah. 
based on an experience that you had very similar, what you're saying to them is that I did it. I was fine. You're fine. And yeah. you're not validating how they feel in this moment. And yeah. he said, you need, you need to stop doing that. Mm. And it was, Good really, advice. it was great advice, but it was really hard. I got sort of frustrated. I walked away for five minutes. I was like, is this going to be a fight? This is going to be a fight. <laughs> and I walked away for like five minutes and then came back and I was like, you are so right. Yeah. Thank you so much for telling me that because I, I did that part of this very wrong yeah. and God, you know, God forbid that, you know, I've made someone feel like what they're experiencing and feeling isn't valid um, or that it's not important because I did it. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that was a, that was a good lesson. That yeah. was a very good lesson for me to learn, um, not to hear, but to learn. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Lessons are never fun to hear, know, exactly. but to learn. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Katie, this has been such a fun conversation for me. Oh. I feel like everyone who's listening and watching, genuinely, if you've been listening attentively like I have, I've learned so much from you today. I feel like I talk too much. No, not at all. Not at all. Keep talking. If, See, if this... Remember when you said that I had made mistakes? I drank yeah. too much coffee? No, no, no. See, this is what happened. No, you didn't talk too much. This is amazing. Like the amount of principles and amount of practices that you've given us, I think are going to be so valuable for everyone listening. So was there anything that, that I, I didn't it. ask you that you wish I did? Because no. this is what this opportunity is for. If there's anything that you're like, Jay, I really want to address this or talk about this, please, this is free, you know, no quick fire round anymore. Like, this is, <laughs> I want to give you that opportunity. Is there anything no. that we didn't touch on that you really want to share? We didn't, you know, I'm, I, the one thing we didn't touch on um, is that I'm starting a YouTube channel. Yes, let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about um, that, please. For me, Instagram... I do find that there's so much there and, and so much of sifting through to find um, the content that that touches on a deeper level. And I wanted to to reach more of my the fans that are reaching out to me, but on like a, a, a longer platform. Mm -hmm. um, Instagram seemed a little um, uh, it didn't seem intimate enough for me. Right. Um, and it didn't seem, um, like the right place to talk about some of the things that I want to talk about with people and, and show what motivates me, what inspires me, what scares me and, and do it in a fun way. And so that, that is new for me. I'm really excited for people to see more of, of that aspect of my life and sort of, um, go along that journey with me. And what kind of format can we expect? Is it like following you around? Is it insights? Is it, is it any sci-fi twist? In there? <laughs> like where, where's that? There might be, there might be, we're going to break it down into seasons actually. Okay. So we can actually do different seasons with different themes and, and talk about even more different things. I but for the most part, it's sort of like, I wanted it to be the anti- Hollywood. And I wanted it to be wellness and lifestyle and what motivates me. And, you know, that what I said, what scares me and, and things that move me, um, and wrapped up in a fun little box, you know, it's, it's, um, stress relieving techniques, which, you know, but under the guise of baby goat yoga, yeah. you know, but yeah. like things like that, that are fun to watch because I, I think that sometimes when something is fun to watch and it's palatable, it's much easier to change somebody's perception of something. Absolutely. The, the name of the company is actually blood, sweat and coffee. That's the name okay. of the channel. It's sort Amazing. of a metaphor blood, for and everything. Go subscribe. Like, yeah. I, we end every interview with a final five, which is mm -hmm. a rapid fire, quick fire round. Okay. So this is where you can't talk too much. You're not allowed. <laughs> I, I may, I may, I may digress at points or golf on a tangent. I'll be as fast as I can. But I yeah, promise, you'll be as I promise fast I won't talk too much. So <laughs> the number one question is, uh, what's your dream role? Or what would have been your dream role? Past, present, anything. It could be anything. I always say my dream role is the one I have right now. Love it. Amazing. Beautiful answer. Question two, what's the one thing you never leave your house without? 
my God. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything. Um, it's usually poop bags. Oh. I know that sounds bad. I cool. always have a doggy poop bag in my pocket. Nice. Okay. Whether I mean to or not. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, number three, if you had to describe your new show in one word or one sentence, what would it be? Um, it's a wild ride. It's very fast. Okay. Awesome. Uh, what's one thing that, one practice that you have on a daily basis that you don't think people know about that you'd want them to know about? A daily habit, a daily practice, uh, meditation? Um, I meditate every day. Um, and then I, I talk about, I do have a gratitude list, which is becoming very mainstream, which I love. Um, and then I pick one thing that day that I need to work on. Nice. I love that. Uh, number five, if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would it be? My grandmother. I really miss her strawberry rhubarb pie oh. and no one wrote it down. She was a really great woman. No one wrote it wow. down. It was just all in her head. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank yeah. you. Katie, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful to have you on. Honestly, you shared some amazing insights today and I can't oh, wait for everyone to hear this episode. Thank you for, for having me. No, I feel like course. this is the first time anyone's ever asked me any of these like questions. I love thank that. You. Please I, go follow Katie on Instagram too, though, because I do feel like it, for anyone who doesn't know you already, they can find out so much about you, which I think will be such an incredible way. And of course, go and check out Another Life on Netflix as well, releasing... Oh, Netflix won't let me tell anyone. Okay, fine. So All right. They, Can't they say. do things very but different look, over there. Look out for an okay, look out for another life on Netflix this summer. Katie, you're amazing. Thank you so I much. I absolutely love meeting me. you today as well. It was lovely. And I hope we're gonna stay in touch. I can't wait to take more of your courses. Yeah, absolutely. I love and them. I can't can't wait to learn more from you too. I'm okay. I'm gonna be a subscriber for the YouTube channel for sure. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll do more for the YouTube channel when it comes out too. It'll be it'll be a really together. good time. It'll yeah, be really absolutely. Fun. Thank yeah. you so much, Katie. Make sure you go check her out. Thank you so much for listening and watching today to On Purpose. Remember. There were so many great insights from Katie in this episode. Go ahead, share them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Tag both of us in there. We would love to see what you took away, what you learned. And as always, I'll be sharing and posting some of the best ones that I do see. Thank you again for being a part of this community. We're so grateful to you. So grateful to Katie for today. And keep tuned in. There is so much more to come. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening through to the end of that episode. I hope you're going to share this all across social media. Let people know that you're subscribed to On Purpose. Let me know. Post it. Tell me what a difference it's making in your life. I would love to see your thoughts. I can't wait for this incredibly conscious community we're creating of purposeful people. You're now a part of the tribe, a part of the squad. Thank you for being here. I can't wait to share the next episode with you. Thank you.